0: everyone. Welcome to Caffeinated Humor. You know, growing up, when you're in your teens, you have your first relationship. Typically. Some people don't. Some people... God, I know somebody that had their first relationship preteen, which you think would be bizarre, but as an adult looking back, it was actually... I gotta look at... both of them had a very mature aspect of it. It wasn't like it was sexual, but... Most people have their first relationship, serious one in their teens, or at least as serious as it feels. Some wait until college and have it, you know, maybe during their junior year. So they're just freshly 20, but teens are typically it. And you're just old enough to think you know something, when in fact, you know not a goddamn thing. And here's the hard part. I had a a family member that was a drug and alcohol counselor, and they said that when somebody begins using heavily Typically, their emotional growth stops at the age they were when they began using. Well, honestly, I think sometimes people's emotional growth stops at the age they were when somebody just completely fucked over their heart. And so for the rest of their life, much like a drug addict, they're reacting to things as if, let's say it happened when they were 14, as a pissed off 14-year-old. That's not healthy, can't even say it's really bad. It's just, you know, usually it's not your healthiest choices. Show me a 14-year-old that knows how to make great choices, and I'll show you a cartoon character that was invented by Disney. But if you look at relationships as you start to get older, they do get better, provided you got better. If you were damaged, like let's just say your teens just ripped the crap out of you and you ended up with all these horrible habits, addictions, not even necessarily drugs, just, you know, you're you're addicted to the bad behavior. Because if you do the same thing over and over again, it gets to be reflex. And that's an addiction. That's something that fucks you up. Because you can't get away from it. It's like if I throw a ball at you. Your hand's going to come up of its own volition. It's it's an instinctive thing. And there's ways that you can have different behaviors trained into you by having it happen over and over again. You don't even realize you're doing it. But that's okay. Because all of it is a defense mechanism. Typically, anything you see people do is something that their mind created out of a defense It doesn't even have to be like somebody was trying to seriously hurt them emotionally or protect themselves physically. It could be something as simple as their mind, for whatever perception, saw a danger. And it created this as a way to get around that. Might be realistic, might not be. Could be something that other people look at and go, what the hell are you doing? There's a TV show on that talks about crazy addictions and it shows this woman that she just eats squares of toilet paper throughout her day. She eats about 50 squares. Well, upside of it, she eats enough fiber. She's incredibly regular. But some people look at it and go, Oh my God, this is horrible. Uh, Not necessarily. It's weird. It's something perhaps she should talk to someone to help her get over it. But, it's not damaging her. I mean, it's not like she's uh, binging on meth and her teeth are falling out. You know, she's eating easily broke down paper. Once that gets into her stomach, stomach acids tear it apart. So she just passes all this, you know, massive amounts of fiber through her system. Keeps her colon nice and squeaky clean. But it is one of those things. What, it, what was her mind fighting? What was her mind created that to help her deal with something else? Because a lot of things are just your mind's way of, you can't control this, I'll have you control this. And it is weird. Uh, I had a friend describe that's, that's where her psychiatrist or psychologist, I'm not sure which, uh, told her that's where her anorexia came from. It's, uh, it was about a 20 minute conversation, but part of it was that this was kind of like an extreme OCD controlling herself, controlling this because another element of her life was out of control. Now, the other element that was out of control was a pretty brutal one, but not my story to tell. And she asked me not to say anything so I can keep a secret. But if you think about all these different things, all the different uh, reactions and emotions and drama and, God, the baggage that we carry throughout our lives as we go on this massive journey, you end up with today's episode. Make sure you pack clean underwear on today's Caffeinated Humor. You know, I personally think it's impossible to get through your teens, 20s, 30s, and into your 40s or 50s without baggage. And for the record, I don't think of kids as baggage. Kids are the whole reason you go down that path, whether you realize it or not. Now, some people either forget that or they never realize that. It's an instinct thing. You know, things like herpes. Now, there's a good example of negative baggage, but that's not the point I'm making, and quite honestly, it's so rampant right now. Probably 50% of the people hearing this, all five of you probably have it anyway. Now, fear of commitment, anger management issues, trust issues, issue type issues that's baggage. And it's the type of baggage that can get you more baggage. Now, I have used the phrase you gotta find someone whose bags match yours before. And, but I, I wanted to explain what I mean by that. It's not just a catchy phrase. It's like the anger management thing. I have a couple of friends that have always had issues with their temper and their mouths, especially when their their mouth, when their temper is up. But each guy's partner has different baggage, and it affects the mix differently and how they handle it. Now, the first guy's wife is this clueless dip with a little sense... Uh, that likes to, like, bait him and egg him on. And he outweighs her by, like, three to one, and it's almost like she has no interest in living a long life. I've waited for years for that fateful phone call that he killed her and he needs me to find him an attorney. That line is only half kidding, by the way. Second guy's wife has past experience in counseling and bad relationships. And she understands... Is it an instinctive level or is it professional training? We don't know. But she knows that he can be diffused by her before he ever gets too cranked up. And it really is nice to see. Now, the second wife, though, has that rare enough skill set you wish it occurred more often, but it's a lot like diamonds. If that skill set or diamonds, you could find them everywhere, they wouldn't be valued as much, which is also a little sad. Now, one of the worst types of baggage you can have is a bad relationship. Because once a bad relationship ends, that big piece of baggage splinters into multiple pieces of baggage. And they morph and they change, but generally they eat away at you like radiation. I know people who spend the rest of their lives dealing with the aftermath of a tragically bad relationship. And I know a little something about this. The best you can hope for in the long run is that you keep yourself open to opportunities. You try not to shut down sections of yourself out of fear or reflex. That being said, to use the old adage, if it feels good, do it. One of the baggages you can pick up is this misplaced sense of trying to please people who are no longer in your life. I had a friend of mine who's divorced. I've, I've known her for a good long amount of time. She admitted to me that she doesn't let people she knows meet any of the men that she's dated or slept with since she got divorced. She does this because she doesn't want anybody to think that she's a quote-unquote slut. Well, who the hell are these people? Near as I can figure, it was whatever gaggle of rude, ju- judgmental bitches she ran with in high school. Here's the truth. Slut is a high school term for a girl whose jealous friends wish they could make out with the same guy she was with. It's what I like to call the rotten jealous bitch term. And it really belongs in high school, if at all. Because once you get out of your teens, if you decide to sleep with a guy, you're simply kind of a self-empowered person that knows what you want. And good for you. In the end, I like to think it's about the Latin phrase, primum non nocere. Translation, first, do no harm. And that counts if you're naked or not. Time for some coffee. Hope you liked today's episode. I know I did. Do me a favor. If you liked it, even if you didn't, listen to more episodes. Put it on the background. Let it play like white noise. Just something to help you sleep at night. Anything. I need you to listen. Share it if you can. Support it if you can. Thank you. Have a great day.